Happy Easter Cornerstone! My name is Iris and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Mark chapter 16 verses 1 to 20. If you'd like to follow along in your own Bible, you can. If not, you can just follow along on the screen. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices, so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. The word of the Lord. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. You know, as I thought about the resurrection and the new life that we have in Christ Jesus, as we're on this special day of the year where we remember this truth, um, I was reminded of a Doritos commercial, believe it or not, uh, about, I think it was 10 years ago that um, I saw at a Super Bowl, uh, one of those commercials that, you know, can be kind of funny. But it, it, this whole idea of new life, coming back to life, uh, came to my mind, uh, this commercial. So I'll take a look. Hey, dude, feed the fish, water the plant. I'll see you next Thursday. And welcome back on this beautiful Thursday morning. Next up, the segment... You know, it's interesting thing that Easter is, that it celebrates Jesus coming back to life and that many people don't believe it. Uh, people don't buy it as true. Um, it's unbelievable. And the resurrection of Jesus is the 
key event that we believe to be true as followers and uh, as Christians. Um, that it's just like, but most of the world does not believe it because it's just unbelievable. Um, but there are a lot of things in life that we know um, and think to be true that are unbelievable. If you Like for uh, things that seem improbable or just hard to accept, but they still occur. Um, take a look at some of these unbelievable pictures uh, that I found on the internet. Now, some of these would be hard to believe if we didn't see it with our own eyes. And, and these are things that actually have happened. But there, are, there still are just some unbelievable things that you and I have experienced. Have, maybe you have experienced something unbelievable uh, that didn't seem possible, but then it happened. Well, one experience comes to my mind that I remember. It was when I was a boy, and I was with my friend, good friend Jay. He was my neighbor. And we would often go out and catch uh, toads and frogs. Uh, the toads we'd catch in, like, the woods nearby, and the frogs we'd catch near the pond uh, that was nearby my house. And once we caught a toad, and it was about the size of my fist. It was, it was a good-sized toad. And I, I don't remember why now, um, but we decided to just bury this toad alive. Now, this was wrong, and I do not condone this kind of behavior at all. There's, what we did was wrong. But the, here's the memory that I had. is So we, we buried this toad alive. Um, and then we, after about two or maybe three days, we decided, let's dig it up. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. But... So what I remember is we were digging into the, where, the area where we were, kind of exact, sort of knew where it was. And so we're digging, and, and we hadn't totally uncovered it yet. We hadn't gotten down to the toad. But then the thing all of a sudden scared us like anything, and it jumped out of the hole and started hopping away. And it was unbelievable. How could this thing still be alive uh, after like two or three days? How could it breathe? And so... We just, we wouldn't believe it unless we saw it with our own eyes. It was unbelievable. See, because when death comes, it's final. It's game over. Uh, we don't experience life returning when something dies. And some of us may have, unfortunately, uh, experienced the death of a loved one or the death of a beloved pet. And I, I remember about, again, 10, uh, well, some time ago, about a decade ago, um, on Palm Sunday, our cat, Tiger, our beloved pet, Tiger, died. Uh, May and I were actually in the Cornerstone Worship Gathering when Tiger died. Uh, and May, and uh, I remember I had stuff to do at church that day, and so Kevin Wang uh, drove, he was single at the time, he drove May home uh, to take her home earlier than me, and they found Tiger uh, curled up on our um, living room rug, uh, getting a little stiff, and he was already dead for a couple hours. When we experience the death of someone or something that has been a part of our lives, there's an emptiness that is left that is so real. 
Uh, our daily routines for May and I changed because Tiger no longer was there to do what he normally did. Uh, he would normally jump up onto May's desk on this little pillow she had there uh, and, and lie there while she was studying uh, in the morning and spending her time with the Lord. Uh, she would just simply say, Tiger, study. And then Tiger, wherever he was in the house, would come and jump up and curl up on the pillow next to her. And sometimes even when May slept in a little longer than she normally would in her habit, uh, he would anticipate this time and he would jump up and get on that pillow and, and wait for her to come and be there with him. But this, this routine was gone after he died. Death is final. It breaks relationships and friendships and it leaves a hole where once a person or a beloved pet was there, a part of our lives. For us, death, though, unfortunately, is a part of life. And the older we get, the more we experience the ill effects of it. And that is why the resurrection was so unexpected for, and so unanticipated by all who knew Jesus um, at that time period and during our stories that we read and remember during this time of year. It is interesting, interesting though, that Matthew's gospel uh, records in chapter 27 that the chief priests and the Pharisees uh, went to Pilate and asked for him to put soldiers, or if they could put soldiers there at the tomb to guard the tomb so that the, his disciples would not come and steal his body and then claim that he had risen from the dead like Jesus had taught. I, I find this interesting because if the chief priests knew that Jesus had taught this, why didn't his disciples know that he had taught this? Well, of course his disciples knew that he had taught this, but they just didn't believe it themselves. That was the issue. See, earlier in Mark, Jesus told his disciples that he would rise again, and that they, but they didn't even know what he meant when he would say these words. Um, listen to Mark chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone that they had seen uh, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what, quote, rising from the dead, unquote, meant. They probably thought it was some metaphor for something else. Uh, and then we see again later in that chapter, in verses 30 and 32, they left the, that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and, he, and were afraid to ask him about it. See, this is what we see in the New Testament accounts of the resurrection, is that Jesus' disciples found it unbelievable that he would rise from the dead. It is unbelievable that someone is, who's dead would come back to life. In our text, Matthew, um, Mark 16, uh, we see women visiting Jesus' tomb. And look at the, war, the words that Mark uses to describe the woman's reaction when they are told that Jesus had risen from the dead. Um, alarmed, trembling, astonishment. Verse 5 says, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, 
and they were alarmed. Now, the word for alarmed here, translated as alarm in the original Greek, uh, is used only here in Mark. And there's nowhere else in the New Testament. Instead of this word uh, alarmed, uh, some other Bible translations use words such as amazed or um, dumbfounded. And the Greek word here simply means astonished from terror. Now, the young man whom we know to be an angel from the other gospel accounts uh, sensed the woman's shock. And so he followed up, saying in verses 6 and 7 of our text in Mark 16, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And then Mark described the women with trembling and astonishment as they fled the tomb. Trembling is a sign of fear and terror. Astonishment describes this distraction of the mind um, caused by wonder and amazement. So what a mixture of emotions, right? Fear, terror, amazement, wonder, all wrapped up together. And then these same women that felt all this had seen Jesus uh, crucified. They had seen him uh, dead on the cross and then taken, his body taken down and then put in this tomb that they were visiting now that was empty. And with this young man telling them these things, he was dead. He was a goner. He was no longer but then they're being told that he is alive, that he has risen from the dead. Uh, unbelievable. It's hard to accept. You know, I had another weird experience of something I thought was dead, but it was actually alive. Um, years ago, when we first moved to where we are now in Franklin Park, uh, May had a garden and animals kept eating her vegetables. So I built this fence around her garden. And uh, because I think we had at least two groundhogs underneath, living underneath my shed at that time. So I built this fence, but it didn't work because the groundhogs found a way to still get into the garden uh, despite the fence. Um, and so they would still eat her stuff. So I borrowed from my neighbor that lives behind me. Uh, I have a heart trap. And so it doesn't hurt the animal. It just traps them inside. And then I was thinking I would relocate whatever, uh, the groundhogs into another location so they wouldn't be able to eat May's garden. <laughs> I think about it now, then they'd probably eat somebody else's garden, right? But anyway, that was my plan. And so uh, I put the trap out near the garden and some stuff in there that they were supposed to like. And so I remember getting up one morning and I'm getting ready to go to the church office or somewhere wherever I needed to go. And I saw that there was some something in the trap. So I went outside and I found that instead of a groundhog, I had caught a possum. And the possum looked like it, it was so disgusting. And, and here's a picture of the possum. It looked like he had tried to get out so hard uh, that he got bloody and he had died while he was trying in the attempt to escape. Uh, I, I picked up the cage and I shook it and, uh, and it was limp. It was dead. It didn't even move other than when I shook the cage 
the body just limply there. Um, I tried like scaring it or whatever. I, I, so I assumed it was dead. So I, I needed to go. So I didn't want the, it was a warm time of year. So I didn't want the body to get ripe as it was dead in the sunlight. So I put it under the tree in my yard in the shade. So and I was going to get home later on and then figure out what to do with the dead body and bury it or something. So uh, later in the, that afternoon, I got home and I go out to the tree that I put it and the cage and the possum are gone. So then I thought, oh, my neighbor who's retired probably saw and then it was his cage anyway, so he took it back. And so I went over and I talked to him and I said, and he said, oh yeah, 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 I saw that the, the possum in the cage. So I, I took it to the end of our neighborhood street and to the woods and I let it free. And I was like, what, let it free? It was dead. He goes, no, it was alive. And I said, well, I saw it. I shook the cage. It was dead. He said, no, it was alive. It was just plain dead. Uh, that's what possums do. And so I, it was hard for me to believe it after I had like done everything to see if it was alive. I thought it was dead, but it was alive. Um, and I took my, the word of my neighbor for it because he saw it walk out of the cage and, and go away. Now imagine how the women felt and the other followers of Jesus, when they had witnessed the, what Jesus went through and how he was crucified and how he was killed and died on the cross, and then to hear that he had risen from the dead on that Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday, they had seen this horrible um, event of the crucifixion and Jesus being buried in the tomb, and now he was alive? Unbelievable, right? In the English Standard Version Bible, after verse 8, there is this statement, if you didn't notice, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include Mark 16, 9 through 20. Now, this means that some of the earliest, uh, most ancient manuscripts, uh, we have copies, so many copies, of the New Testament accounts, and some of the earliest ones of Mark uh, do not have these last verses, 9 through 20 of chapter 16. So what many scholars, uh, you know, scriptural experts believe and understand this to mean is that these verses, 9 through 20, were not a part of the original writing of the account of Mark. Uh, somebody added it later, but they added it pretty early on because some of the earliest manuscripts do have this account. Um, and also as they look at the original Greek and way it was written, these verses 9 through 20 are written stylistically uh, differently than the rest of Mark is. So again, it's another indication that it was added at some point. So I, personally, I do not consider these last verses uh, as inspired word of God but they are of historical uh, confirmation because they do include the appearances of Jesus being risen from the dead that the other gospel accounts also include. So it, whatever is written there, it's not any new information that we also know uh, that the other accounts don't reveal that are more trustworthy. For example, John 20 verse 14 records, that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. And Luke 24 uh, reports that Jesus appeared to two men on the road to Emmaus. 
And then Luke 24 and John 20 both record that Jesus appeared to his disciples on the evening of that Easter Sunday when they were eating in this locked room. Verses 9 through 20 of Mark 16 do emphasize correctly, though, the unbelief of the disciples uh, as their first reaction to the resurrection. John 20, verses 24 through 29, also records, if you remember, about the disciple Thomas, who doubted the resurrection, even after all the other disciples told him that they had seen, they had uh, seen Jesus personally in the room, because Thomas wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared to all the disciples. And Thomas wouldn't believe it, that he wouldn't believe them until he saw Jesus himself and touched Jesus himself. It was just too unbelievable for him to believe this story. And we know from John that, yeah, Jesus did appear again, and Thomas was able to see him and believe. And this is why the accounts of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John uh, are trustworthy. For why would they record the initial unbelief uh, of the early church leaders? And also, why would they record that women, that Jesus appeared to women as the first witnesses to his resurrection? Because at that time period, especially in the Jewish culture, women were not trustworthy witnesses in the court of law. <laughs> so why would they write this, if they made it up, write it this way, that Jesus first appeared to the women and had the women tell the men uh, that he had risen from the dead? And then we know also in that time period, the Greco-Roman culture did not also put women uh, at a very uh, high position, but more at a lowly position in most of the, the area there of the Roman Empire. So the early church would never have invented this story the way it was unless it was true. And just as the disciples of Jesus faced the truth of his resurrection, so we face the truth of his resurrection today. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's unbelievable, but it's true. It happened, which means that the Lord Almighty, that Jesus is him, God the Son, risen from the dead, just as he taught. The resurrection means that Jesus came to earth to die in our place. For Jesus said of this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus give his life for us as a ransom? Because he deeply loves you and me. His love for us is why. We are enslaved to sin, to rebellion against God, and we deserve an eternity separate from the living God. But because of his love for us, he sent Jesus, God the Son, God incarnate in flesh. And Jesus literally took on himself our sin, the punishment that we deserve, which is death. And not only physical death, but eternal death, which is separation from God. He took that on himself and went to the cross to die the death that we deserve. Once and for all, he covered the sins of all mankind. And he did this so that we can believe in him as Lord and that we then 
can be forgiven of all our sins and have the new life in Christ Jesus and eternal life forevermore in his presence. The verse that summarizes this good news uh, in Jesus Christ is John 3.16. And I really encourage you to memorize this if you haven't already. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's a wonderful summary of the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The resurrection means that when we believe in Jesus, we are forgiven and we are made right with God. But belief is not easy. It is not easy because we want to have some part of faith. Uh, we want some control over what we get that we think we deserve. But with Jesus, he just simply asks us to trust him and that he died on the cross and that he rose again from the dead. And he wants us to live a life like he is Lord of the universe, that he calls all the shots now in our lives. This is a life-changing belief that he requires and demands of us, not just an acknowledgement that, yeah, the resurrection probably happened, no, it's a life-changing, life-directing, life-purpose belief that he demands of his followers. Living by faith that Jesus is Lord is difficult. This is because unbelief is something we understand much more easily and experience more often. For example, we often do not put trust in other people or other things like politics or telemarketers or car salesmen or even our government. Instead, we often put our faith rather in ourselves and our own ability to do what we think is good or at least something that we don't think we're doing too bad, right? Uh, we think we can run our life. We, make, we can make decisions on our own. Uh, and do what we want and not have to answer to anybody, especially not to God. This is often how you and I live. We think we have control, but this is not the truth, not the truth at all. Beneath every sin is a failure to believe a truth about God. Let me say that again. Belief every, um, beneath every sin that you and I commit is a failure to believe a truth about God, about who He is, what He's done. Because we believe lies about God, then we also believe lies about ourselves. We may, for example, believe that God is unloving. And so, in turn, we believe that we are unlovable. Uh, we are like unwanted garbage. and We are disposable if we get to that low point. Um, we may... Believe that God is not our Savior, actually, and we can see this in our actions when we think we have to be the Savior to our friends. We have to rescue our friends. We have to rescue our spouse. We, we are the rescuer for our children. We've got to protect them, do everything for them, make sure, you know, we, we are acting like God for them rather than realizing and trusting that God is actually the Savior. And we are just to play the role as a friend and spouse and, and as parent and what that means. Uh, 
you know, what we believe about ourselves is directly connected to what we believe or don't believe about God. And this is why belief that Jesus is raised from the dead is the foundation of our faith in Christ. His resurrection is the evidence of God's power, of His love, of His truth, of His grace. In Christ Jesus specifically, it is revealed, all these things is revealed through His life, His death, and His resurrection. We cannot save ourselves without Jesus and what He did on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. We all will be eternally separated from God because of our sin. And that just means we're going to hell without Christ. We are going to hell. It is only the grace of God that we have the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and what, and, and what He offers for us. And we must believe in Him first before we will ever be able to experience the transforming work and power of His Spirit within us by faith to be transformed into His image and have this abundant life and be forgiven and freed from our slavery to sin. When we trust in and follow Jesus as Lord, we are changed and we will continually also be changed and transformed into the image of Christ Jesus by the power of His Spirit working in us. So if you believe in Jesus and you have not experienced this transformation, this change in your life, then you might not be believing in Jesus in the way that He demands, that life-changing belief. Like we mentioned last week, this repentance, this true repentance, turning away from our sin that He requires. Um, and then there's this, these acts, this action that follows in line with that repentance. This is the all-in kind of uh, faith that Jesus requires of those who follow Him. It is a complete trust in Him that Jesus demands, not a simple acknowledgement of the mind. It's a whole life commitment that He desires. He wants your life and my life and all of it, not just Sunday mornings or watching this worship video. Uh, he wants every minute of your whole week. He wants every minute that you are awake and asleep. He demands all of us. So are we living day by day like we are following Jesus who has risen from the dead in the power of God? Or are we continuing to live like he's still dead in the tomb, like everyone else? There's no, no power. There's no new life. We're just kind of still grinding through in misery with no hope for the future. When we give our lives to Jesus in faith, then we truly begin to experience an abundant life full of his joy and peace. It becomes to grow in us. It relieve us from our anxieties, as we mentioned before. He, and it's only in Him that we can experience inner peace in the midst of great turmoil and tragedy. You know, it is unbelievable to believe in the resurrection. But it, it is true. Jesus has risen from the dead. And the best is yet to come. Today is full of hope because Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Easter is a day of hope, 
of new beginnings. It is the first day of the rest of our lives. Easter is the time to start again. It is a time to be forgiven and to forgive, to leave the damage, the hurts, the wrongs, and the tragedies in the empty tomb of our old lives and to step into the glorious dawn of the resurrection. Amen to that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we offer ourselves to you as individuals, your children. Lord, we know we are your children by faith in you. Lord, may your spirit empower us to live like your children on this earth while we have time yet until you take us home. Lord, we desire that we would be rid of our sin, cleanse our hearts, renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Empower us to be lights in this world of darkness with your light, not our own because our own is dark, but you are the light of the world. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen.